Well, good morning. We want to welcome you to Better Life Church. We want to welcome our Grayson campus. For those who are visiting with us, we are one church in two locations. We have a, a campus in Carter County and also here in Round County. I also want to welcome everybody watching online all over the world. Man, thank you guys for tuning in with us. I'm telling you what, here's what I know. The Lord knew you would be here this morning. You are not here by mistake. I don't know if a bus brought you, someone invited you and bribed you, or you thought you'd get some Pops barbecue again like last Sunday, dads, for coming back. But here's what I know. God knew that you would be here. No one is here by mistake. And so with that, if, if, if we know that God of the universe knew that we would be here, could we not just come this morning with a little bit of expectation, believing that God's going to speak to us? And so my prayer for you is that you would just open your heart and say, God, you knew I would be here. I am not here by accident. You brought me here this morning. You woke me up this morning. You gave me breath this morning to receive a word from you. So my prayer is that you would open your heart and that you would encounter Jesus this morning. We're in this family series. Normally in the month of June, we designate the month of June towards family. And we talked about if we're going to have a strong family, you got to have a strong marriage. And so if you missed that week, if you're struggling in your marriage, you're having some issues in your marriage, I would encourage you to go back and watch that on our app or online and get online and check that out. Because a strong family begins with a strong marriage. Without a strong marriage, there will never be a strong family. And then we talked about parenting. How do you parent with power? Like what does like spirit-filled parenting look like? Because we all have come from different backgrounds. Every single kid is not the same. I have four kids. None of them are the same. They all have their own different personality. And you can't parent them the same. And then half of us in here, I was raised in a blended family as well. You have a blended family. You got stepmom and stepdad and, and stepsisters and stepbrothers and stepgrandparents. How do you make something like that work? How do you blend that? We talked about a little bit of parenting in that with blended families. Last week, we give a shout out to dads. I said, here's five things every dad needs. Dad's got to sit back and chill. I didn't preach at the dads. I just said, listen, if you're not a dad and you're here, here are five things that every dad needs. If you miss that. Ladies, if you missed that, kids, I would encourage you, go back and watch it because there are some five ways you can help dad out. And so we talked about parenting to the mom and dads. We talked about a husband and wife. We talked about the marriage. And today I want to talk about the young people. I want to talk about the youth. Now I know some of you, I'm 42 and I still feel young. Can I get an amen? Thank you for thinking I'm still young. Thank you. I appreciate that, right? So I'm going to let you decide what youth feels like and looks like to you because here's what I know. This message applies to every single one of us. Whether we're watching online, you're in the house today, it will apply to you. But I want to speak directly to the youth this morning because here's what I know about the youth. You were created for significance. Out of 7 billion people on this playground that we call planet Earth, God created you to be you. The world looks at you as a number. God sees you by name. He has a name for you, and he wants to call you by name today and speak to you. Let me tell you something about young people. And honestly, when I say young, you can find yourself in that, in that quadrant if you want. Even as we grow older, here's some things that we struggle with. We do our very best try to fit in. We want to fit in. We want to be, feel valuable. We want to feel worthy. We're constantly evaluating and comparing ourselves to other people. Young people do this all the time. But listen to me. I know a lot of adults who still do this. They, they constantly are evaluating themselves and they're constantly comparing themselves to other people. I mean, think about what we judge ourselves. We judge ourselves by our appearance. How do I look? Our appearance is a big thing, how we want to be 
how we want people to see us. So we judge ourselves based on our appearance because a lot of us are like, I wish I looked like her. I wish I looked like him. I, I wish I looked a certain different way. We judge ourselves on our appearance. We judge ourselves on our affluence. What do we have? I wish I had what they had. I wish I drove what they drove. I wish I lived where they lived. I wish I had their house. And we all the things I have. And so we judge ourselves on the lack of stuff that we don't have. And then our accomplishments, our accolades. We judge ourselves, did I get the degree? Did I get the diploma? Did I get the pay raise? Did I get the job? And did, did I get these accomplishments? And we judge ourselves, going, I wish I could do what they do. I wish I had what they had. And we're constantly evaluating and comparing ourselves to other people. And then the big one, approval. Do people like me? Like, do people genuinely, truly like me? How popular am I? And so we'll get tore all up. Like, we'll put a picture on Instagram and only get a few likes, and we're debating, should I use the, another filter? Because if I had another filter, someone would maybe like it. Or I put a picture of my family up and only got a few likes on Facebook. Maybe I should change it because I'm not the perfect family. Or, oh, my goodness, it's been 67 days and someone broke my streak on Snapchat. They don't like me no more. You know what I'm saying? So we're always evaluating and comparing ourselves to what other people think. But here's the problem. Beauty fades with age. Stuff and possessions will wear out. Someone will surpass your success someday. Someone will always be better at something. And here's what's shocker. This is a shocker for you. Ready for this one? Not everyone is going to like you. Goodness. Not everyone is going to like you. And so with that, I want you to listen to what Paul says to the young people. Timothy was probably in his 30s at this point, but to the young people, I want you to hear this. 1 Timothy 4.12, do not let, or do not let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be an example to all believers. Don't miss that. It says young people are to be an example to every single Christian. Think about that, young people, that you are to be the example to all believers. How am I to be an example? Look what he says. I love it. It could be a five-point sermon or a five-week sermon. Look what he says right here. Be an example, number one, in what you say. Uh-oh. Like the words that come out of your mouth. Be an example in how, what the things you speak. He says this, be an example in the way you live. On the court, off the court, at home, at school, at Walmart, at the workplace, at your job, with your family. And your family's the one that you walk in and you take your mask off and you really try to be the real you. And they see the good and the bad and the ugly. Paul says, listen here, you are to be an example in what the words you say and how you live, your swag that you have when you go into places. Like how you live should be an example to all believers in your love. Are you blessing people, showing compassion, being generous to Him? In your faith, that you believe that God can bring mom and dad back together? That you believe that mom and dad, can, that God can resurrect their marriage? That you believe that, that God can heal you? That you believe that God can come through financially for you? Like, do you have that faith to believe? And then it goes on and says, and in your purity. See, the devil wants to steal your purity from you. Because if he can rob you from your purity, he'll rob you from your testimony and all these things in your life. And he thinks that he can defeat you. But don't miss this. Paul said, don't let anyone think less of you. Why? Because you matter. Don't let anyone think less of you because you matter. Here's what I know. God has put worth in you. God has put purpose in you. God has put destiny in you. God has put passion and a vision within you. And Satan can't stand it. 
He wants to lie to you and tell you that you're worthless. He wants to lie to you and tell you that you are no good, that you'll never make a difference. You'll never be as good as your brother or your sister, or you never can please your parents. He's going to do whatever he can to make you think worthless, that you're worthless. You want me to tell you why? Because he fears you. You know why the enemy fears young people? Because of the potential they have. If you'll go and study all the great awakenings, all the great revivals that have swept the entire planet, if you'll go do all your research on them and you pin them back and you go back to when they begin, they all begun with a bunch of teenagers who got before a holy God, repented of their sin, and followed Jesus. And because of that, great awakenings and great revivals take place. You know what our country needs? It needs revival. You know where that will begin? With our young people. That's why the world is after them. That's why the enemy can't stand them. It's because if he can enlighten their mind and, and make them doubt that God's real, make them doubt that his word is true, that he understands that, that when they repent, because there could be no revival without repentance. And when they repent and they turn to God, I'm telling you what, revival will sweep the land. And the enemy knows that. He doesn't want any of us come to repentance because repentance is what sparks revival. And so what I have today for the next few moments is I got these three truths that I want to share with you. And now listen, this applies to every single one of us. But young people, especially if you can get this in your heart, let it sink down in you. I mean, it would change your life. They're so simple, yet they're so profound. Parents, we need to be speaking this into our children all the time. I just want to come along beside of you today. And encourage you, because this applies to every one of us, but especially your child, especially the students. I want to encourage you that if you'll let these three truths sink down in your heart, I'm telling you what, it's a game changer. I know you've heard these before, but let's unpack them and look at the significance of every single one of them. So if you're ready to get started, say let's go. All right, here we go. Number one, get your phone out, take some notes. You know you get extra credit in heaven for taking notes. You know that, right? I'm just kidding, you don't. You get like Krispy Kremes with no calories, okay? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the first one is this. God created me. That God created me. I want you to let that sink in just for a moment. I want you to think about this. God has always existed. Our finite minds, we can't understand that. Before the foundation of the world, before God flung the stars in the universe, before he ever created the cosmos. And yes, your pastor believes that if there is a creation, there is a creator. That God, before he ever spoke anything into existence, had you on his mind. The Bible tells us that his thoughts have always been towards us. So I want you to imagine this. That before God created all the planets and all the stars and anything, he knew you. That you were on his mind. And that he was going to form you and fashion you to be exactly the way you are. In fact, Psalms 139 says it like this. For you created me in my innermost being. You knit me together in my mom's womb. Before I was even born, when I was just substance, God was making me and fearfully and wonderfully making me. All, almost 40 trillion cells. Over like 200 bones. Listen, they, scientists believe that if you take every capillary and every artery and all your nerve endings and you would stretch them out, that's in your body, adult body, that it'd be 100,000 miles long. That is four times wrapped around the circumference of the earth. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And you've got to understand that God looks at you. He created you just to be just the way. He knew what every freckle was going to be on your body. He knew every hair you have on your head. And for some of you, it's not many. But he can count them. He knows this. In fact, watch this. I am custom made. You are custom made. Look at the person sitting beside say, you're custom made. Look back at him and say, you custom made. Like that's going like, y'all, y'all go get ink, get tat that way. I'm custom made. Why? Listen, watch this. No one has your DNA. No one has your fingerprint. No one has your voice print. I want you to think you are so unique. Listen to me, ladies. When he comes up to you and he says, honey, you're one in a million. You take your hair and you flop it around and say, honey, I'm one in seven billion. <laughs> they ain't none like me, brother. I'm just helping you sassy ladies out. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you. You are custom made. Even identical twins are not identical. They still are different. There will never, ever, ever, ever be that has lived or will live just like you. Now, I know you find yourself in the sea of all everybody else going, I'm just me. Like, it's just me. That I'm not unique. That I'm not different. Are you kidding me? God, before the foundation of the world, knew you, created you to be exactly the way you are. And listen to me. Some of you need to hear this. And God doesn't make mistakes. See, some of you have been told your whole life you're a mistake. Some of you have made so many mistakes in your whole life, it catches up with you, and now you're, you feel like I'm nothing but just a big mistake. It's probably best that I wasn't even alive. It's probably best I don't even exist because I'm no good. I can't live up to this life. I am worthless. Please hear me. With suicide running so rampant in our community and society and our world, I want you to please listen to me. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. You are worth it. You are worthy. God has a purpose for you. How do I know? You're breathing. And when you're still breathing, he still has a purpose. If he wakes you up tomorrow morning, you should hit your knees and praise God that your creator gave you another day of life to fulfill the destiny and purpose that he has for you. You are not worthless. Don't you believe that lie from the devil? He has a purpose for your life. You are not a mistake. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that you are his masterpiece, created to do good works in Christ Jesus. So don't you believe that lie. Don't let this insignificant thing, well, God created me. Are you kidding me? Before the foundation of the world, he knew you and he created you. Here's my second one. He picked you. And he picked me. Come on, you know what it's like to be picked, don't you? If you like to play sports, right? You like to play sports and you like to get picked. I got my boy LT, Les Todd's in the house. He's from Belfry. We used to play ball all the time and, and, and all that stuff. And he's like 6'4", so we always got picked first. I'm not bitter of that. Because I was so scrawny and, and short, I'd get behind everybody and hide. And after he'd get picked, I was like, ah, here I am. And he, and he would pick me. It's, it feels good to get picked right. It gets, feels good to get picked for the job, the promotion. Out of all the applicants, they picked you. It gets good to be picked for the scholarship or the academic stuff. It gets good, good to get picked that you made the team. It, get good, it feels good to get picked that she picked you to go to the prom because you finally took a shower and put some Axe body spray on. I tell my wife all the time, I can't believe you picked me. Do I not say that to you all? I can't believe she chose me. Like out of everyone, she picked me. I just can't believe it. It feels great to be picked. Let me tell you something. God picked you. Listen to what Jesus says right here in John 15. To his disciples, you did not choose me, you didn't pick me, but I chose you, I picked you. 
And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last for the generations to come. And fruit is not for you to eat. Fruit is for people to pick from your life, that you're to be here for other people. But I love what Luke writes in Acts 13. So watch this. If he picked me, I love what he says about David. He says, now when David served God's purpose, when David served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, a.k.a. he died. Think about that. When David fulfilled God's purpose in his life, he died. If you still have breath, you have not finished God's purpose in your life because he has a purpose for you. I love that it said when, it said when David fulfilled his purpose in his own generation. Have you ever thought about this? You can't pick the generation you're born into. You can't pick the skin color you're born into. You can't pick the family. Some of you wish you had a mulligan, right? A do-over with your family. You can't pick that. You can't pick the country you're born into. You can't pick it. God in his sovereignty picked you and chose you. On April the 26th, 1977, in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, God in his sovereignty said, you know what? It is time to drop Daniel Lucas in on the planet. You see, he knew me before he ever created the planet. He knew me before he ever flung the stars in the universe. But he waited until the right appointed time because he has a purpose for me. I didn't get to pick that. He says, you know what? You're going to be born in the 70s. Most of you who lived through the 70s, none of you remember them. Okay, that's another story, a sermon. We'll get to that later. But the 80s, boy, I love some 80s music. I'm preaching now. Come on. My son, he's 12. He said, Dad, I was born in the wrong era. I said, what do you mean, son? He said, I love the 80s. He cooks, man. He cooks so good. And we have Alexa. Alexa's amazing. If Alexa could fold laundry, she'd be unbelievable. And he'll be in the kitchen playing 80s music. And now my little girl, she's four years old, going, going, we built this city. We built, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my girl. You know, I'm sorry. Pray for me. Pray for me. But God in his sovereignty said, you know what? It's time. So let's drop Daniel Lucas, bam, in planet Earth, because I got a purpose for him. And the day he takes his last breath, he will fulfill my purpose. And as long as he still have breath, I still have purpose. And as long as you have breath, you still have a purpose, a unique per purpose for your life. And no one else, watch this, please, please, don't let this be so insignificant to you. No one else on this planet can fulfill your purpose. That's how unique it is to you. No one else can do it. No one else is better at your destiny than you. So quit trying to be somebody you're not. God's not going to anoint your avatar. You be you. The world needs you. The world would not be the same without you. That's how significant you are. In fact, I believe this. I believe there's people around you right now they are waiting for you to be everything that God's called you to be. Listen to me, young people. Your school is waiting for you to step up and be who God's called you to be. Listen to me, adults. Your workplace is waiting for you to stand up and be who God's called you to be. Listen to me, families. There's people in your family right now they are waiting for you to step up into the destiny that God has for you. People all around you. We see this all through the scripture. We, 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 when you walk through the Bible, Daniel, at just the point in time, his three friends, what happens? They stood up and they said no to King Nebi, Nebuchadnezzar. They weren't going to be thrown into the fireplace. And guess what happened? God used those three boys who stood up and God affected everyone around them. We could go to David, just a teenage boy. David's going, what's up with this big giant over here? Everybody's scared of him. He's like, what? Let me fulfill my purpose. Let me have him. And he goes and he slays the giant. All the Israelites turn and they run. Why? Because some teenage boy stepped up to the destiny that God has for them. Could you think about Mary? 
Mary's just going along doing her business. Little, little teenage girl doing her thing. Ain't no thing. Going to the temple, worship. All of a sudden, an angel pierced her. Guess what? Oh, my gosh, who are you? I don't know if she did that, but I think she did. Like, I don't know why. I just think that's what she did. He goes, she goes, who are you? I'm from, listen, you have been highly favored, and guess what's going to happen? You are going to usher in the Messiah. What did she get? I don't want this baby. She didn't even have a choice. God and his sovereign picked her, not because there's anything special, because he chose her. And I'm going to pick you to usher in the Messiah. She goes, okay. Teenage girl, I'll accept the purpose and the destiny that you have for me. And we could go on and on and on and on through Scripture. And what I believe this morning is that God wants to introduce you to yourself. He wants you to see in you what he sees in you. And again, we see all this through Scripture. If you remember Moses, God goes to Moses, Moses, go get my people out of Egypt. Go to Pharaoh, tell him, let my people go. And you know what Moses says? I can't because I got a stuttering issue. I've got a stuttering problem, and I can't speak in front of people. So exactly what Moses tells God. And God's like, who made your mouth, bro? I'll give you the words to say. I will be your mouthpiece. You go. And guess what happened? He went. Remember Gideon? Gideon is the weakest in his family, the least of his family. He's in a wine press, and he's scared to death because he's about to be overthrown and go into war. He's scared, and an angel appears to him and says, wait, 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 what, what are you doing? I'm scared. Why are you scared? You're not scared. Get up. You're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty man of God. And God used him to lead the battle and be in the victory. He thought himself as scared, but God saw a warrior within him. I think God wants to introduce you to yourself this morning. Paul, guess what? You persecuted the church, but I'm going to use you to preach the message to the Gentiles. Peter says, get away from me, Jesus. I'm not worth it. I'm sinful. I'm rotten. And Jesus says, you're not rotten. You're a rock, and I'm going to use you to usher in my church. See, I think you got to start seeing yourself the way that God sees you, that he created you, that he picked you because he has a purpose for you. You are not by mistake. You're not even here by mistake this morning. Whatever crossed your path to get here, you are here because God wanted you to hear this. The world needs you, but watch this. God wants you because he don't need us. That's humbling, but he wants us and he wants to use us. Why not? Why not you? Who's going to reach your family if you don't step up? Who's going to reach your friends if you don't step up? Who's going to reach your workplace? Instead of complaining about the hellhole you're working in, step up and be the light that Jesus called you to be and start winning people to Jesus. Everybody's trying to get out of the negative place. God's like, I got you in that place. Why? I got a purpose. Fulfill that purpose and that destiny until God says it's next step and move to the next step. You're like, pastor, man, you had too much coffee. What's up, man? Why you, got so, why you so urgent? Why are you so passionate about this? Because listen to me, young people. You've been told your whole life that you are the church of tomorrow. You are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. You don't have to wait till you graduate to start making a difference. Make a difference today. Tomorrow is not your time. Today is your time. That's what I love. Even Taylor up here, she's going to be a senior in high school. She's leading worship. Mason just graduated high school. We love it when young people, we will fight to stay young at Better Life Church. Because let me show you what, without young people, the church is dead. You show me a church with no young people, and I'll show you a church that's dying. We will fight. Now, listen to me, church. we got to stop fighting against youth and start fighting for them. Stop fighting against them. Let's start funding them. Because when God breaks their heart and they repent, revival has historically broke out. And that's on us as a church to focus on that, to see that, and to welcome that in their life. Because we will always fight to stay young at Better Life Church and reach the generations and the next generations to come. Better Life Church is going to always be here to help you follow Jesus so you can experience a better life. And listen to me, Better Life Youth, and I'm just going to be honest with you, parents, 
We got one of the best youth pastors on the planet, hands down. Unbelievable communicator, can preach God's word like none of And every single Wednesday night, he's teaching them how to handle peer pressure, sexual pressure, purity, how to deal with addictions in your life, dating and relationships, the stuff that they don't talk to you about. He addresses it every single Wednesday. And you as a mom and dad, you got to do whatever you can to get Johnny here. Johnny, want, no, John, you need to go. And you need to do whatever it takes to get your kids here because I'm telling you what, God is using Pastor Jacob in an unbelievable way to speak into their life. And here's the third and last one. And you can go get you some good barbecue. Here we go. God loves me. God created me. God picked me. And he loves me. One of the greatest theologians sitting in class with his students. And the students always want to debate theological issues. And they go to his professors and say, Professor, what's the most profound theological discovery you have ever found reading through the scriptures? You got to understand, this is one of the most elite theologians. And he takes his glasses off and he pushes his books to the side and all the students lean in, waiting to hear what the professor might say. He said, this is the most profound theological discovery I've ever made. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. The most brilliant theological mindset strips all of it away and says, here's what you need. Here's the most profound, deep, theological nuggets I can give you. Jesus loves me. This I know. And you may say, well, I've heard that my whole life. I know that. Yeah, but have you received it? Because I guarantee you there's a bunch of you here today at both campuses and watching online. You think God's mad at you. God, look what I've done. I've destroyed my family. I've destroyed my testimony. I've let addictions take over my life. My family's walked out on me. I can't hold a job down. My kids don't respect me. We can go on and on and on and on and on. Therefore, God is probably disappointed and mad at me. And listen, God brought you here this morning so you would hear this. He is not mad at you. He's mad about you. And there's nothing on the planet that you could ever do to separate you from God's love. God loves you. The most famous passage and well-known passage in all the world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that what? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I have four kids. I love you, but I would never give my kids up for you. And rightfully so back to me. But God loved you so much that he sent his son just for you. When's the last time you heard that? When's the last time you received it? He loves you. But pastor, you don't know what I've said, what I've tried, what I've done, my addictions, my issues, my family, my background, my, ah, you just don't know. I don't have to know. Because this is what I know. You can't change yesterday. And you can't control tomorrow. You only get to live today. Why don't you start over? Why don't you let today be a new day in your life?
and start over today. But that's not fair. I need to, I need to earn it. I need to pay for it. Like I, gotta, I should pay back for all the bad things I've done. No, Jesus took your punishment on the cross. Well, that's not right. That's not fair. That's called grace. You know what we all deserve? Hell. But God in his love and his mercy and his grace sent his son to save you. A wretch, a sinner like you and like me. Why? Because he created me. And he picked me. And he loved me. Now listen, I say that about me. Let me say, he created you. He picked you. And he loves you. And he wants to use you to fulfill his purpose for the generations to come. This is our foundational verse here at Better Life Church. It's John 10, 10. And it says this, a thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me tell you something about Satan. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy your kids. He wants to destroy your purity. He wants to destroy your health. He wants to destroy your workplace. He wants to lie to you that you're full of anxiety, depression, so much so that you would bottle up and not do anything to advance the kingdom. He wants to steal your joy. He can't touch my salvation. So what does he want to do? He wants to take the joy away from me. But then Jesus says this. Look what he says. But I've come that you can have a real life. Are you tired of living a fake life? Jesus says, I'll give you a real life. He says, I'll give you, look, your eternal life. You don't have to live for just today in this world. I can give you a life after this world. An eternal life if you'll just trust me. And then he says, a more life. And then here's what we named our church on the paraphrase of this verse right here. Watch, look what it says. A better life than you ever dreamed of. You see, the better life is not an easy life. The better life is not a pain-free life. The better life is not the absence of pain, but it's the presence of Jesus through your pain. That makes my life better. If all that Jesus did for me is saved me, forgive me of all my sins, canceled out hell, guaranteed me heaven, no matter what happens on this playground we call planet earth, that makes my life better. And you can have the same life. You see, Satan takes this verse and he flips the script. Especially to young people. Listen to what he says right here. He wants to flip the script. He says, if you follow Jesus, then he will, it will be less fun. Because I hear this all the time for young people. Well, being a Christian man, if I go to church and go to youth, I can't have fun, I can't do this. See, Satan wants to lie to you. Satan wants to flip the script and says, Jesus comes to steal, kill, and destroy your, your fun. So Satan flips the script. And he lies to you. He says, if you follow Jesus, there will be less fun. But the truth is, if you follow Jesus, you will be more fulfilled than you've ever been filled in your life. Do you want the better life? Do you want eternal life? Then run to your creator, your maker, your savior, who created you, who picked you, who loves you. Now I'm going to ask you what to bow your head. You're not here by mistake. You're not watching this online by mistake. You're not listening to this driving in your car or on a podcast by mistake. Listen, God brought you to this very moment to remind you that he created you he picked you and most important he loves you and my prayer is that none of you leave here today at both of our campuses without receiving that love 
from your creator, he still has a purpose for you. So here's what we're going to do. If the Lord has took these simple truths and spoke so profoundly to your heart and opened the eyes of your heart, would you receive his word this morning? And would you cry out to him and ask him to save you? Please hear me. Saying a prayer won't save you. But your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord, then come on, let your lips proclaim it. If that's you, I want you to pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe. You created me. You picked me. You love me. You died for me. You got up out of the grave for me. And this morning, the best I know how, I turn from my sin and I put my faith in you. My maker, my creator, my savior, and now my father. Now help me fulfill the purpose and destiny that you have for me. Now I'm gonna believe at both campuses and there's so many people here that several of you have prayed that with me. And I'm not here to embarrass you or whatever, but come on, I wanna rejoice with you. Rejoice that salvation has visited the house. Rejoice that the Father has saved people today. And if that's you, would you be so bold to say, let me tell you something, Pastor. Today I responded to the invitation to open up my heart. And would you let me know? I just want you to raise your hand. Come on, all over the place. Get your hand up. Come on. Get them up. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Come on. Come on. Keep them up there. Put your hands down. See, the world knows you by a number, but God knows you by name. And he sees your hand and he sees your heart. And when God saves people, the church should rejoice. And as best as I could just count right then, 21 people just raised their hand and gave their life to Jesus. Come on, church, can we celebrate? That salvation has visited the house this morning. For every one of you, raise your hand. I want you to listen to me. We have a next step place. If you're at the Moored campus, it's the Red Room. At the Grayson campus, it's out in the hall in the next step area. Please listen to me. We have some resources we want to give you just for giving your life to Jesus to help you in your walk with Him. So I want to urge you, please stop by there. Let them know that you gave your life to Him. And we want to give you some resources. Come on, let's just pray. Father, thank you that you saved people, that we can't save ourselves, that you drawed us, you opened our eyes, and you saved us. And God, with that, we rejoice, Father, that salvation has come to visit us today, that you've delivered us and delivered people from their sin. And I pray, God, you will help them fulfill their destiny and their purpose that you have for them all the days of their life. We pray a special blessing and anointing upon them, and favor as they walk back into the workplace, and favor as they walk back into their families, and favor as they walk back into school, and favor as they walk back into the locker room, and favor as they go forth, Lord. And people will rejoice 
as you work through them. We love you, Jesus. For it's in your name we ask and we pray. Come on out. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.